Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Get pumped by a big animatronic bear. I was waiting for you to say get pumped with scat because I didn't want to say it, but you didn't. <laughs> so I have to say it. Get pumped with scat by a big animatronic bear. There we go. We got there. <laughs> if, a, if an animatronic bear scats in the woods, does Josh <laughs> Hutcherson see it? Oh, my God. Um, so on this episode of the Culture Cast, uh, we're just going to get right into it. I'm joined by two people who I'm joined by on other things that aren't this. And this is the second time now for one of them. And I don't know how many times at this point, Dustin, we we lost track after uh, Thrillomedies, which feels like a lifetime ago now, <laughs> if you think about it. That was like a year ago uh, we, we did that. But uh, on this episode of the Culture Cast, I am still your host, Chris Stashy, much to the chagrin of many. And I'm joined by my two good friends from Surreal Tube. It's a thing that we do. It's scary stories we tell. Maybe it'll be its own thing one day. Who knows? Your friends and mine, Emma and Dustin. Hello. Hello. Here to talk about some some animatronics. Here to talk about. <laughs> We're here to some, show our age is what this is. <laughs> some some <laughs> some frebbies, some frebby fast bears. What is this bear thing you kids are talking about? What the animatronic bears? What in D hell are you talking about? Incarnation. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I I actually uh, have a very close friend who's who told me that he had never heard of Five Nights at Freddy's the game before seeing the movie, like the movie come out, which I, I found to be not strange, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I I was under the impression that Five Nights at Freddy's made more of a pop culture impact on the wider world. But then I thought to myself, and, and this is something that I was wondering about two other YouTubers, and this is, I think Five Nights at Freddy's and YouTube are kind of intrinsically linked. Mm. Um, on this, and, and we'll, we'll ask the question, after we introduce the movie on this episode of the culture cast, we're going to be talking about the essentially brand new. It's been out for two weeks now, 2023 based off of a video game, five nights at Freddy. Hi, this is Mike. I was just calling to see if that job that you offered was still available. Yes. The security guard. I will take anything. This place was huge in the eighties with the kids. They shut it down years ago. The owner's just not ready to let it go yet. I will work and you will sleep. I understand. 
room you're in. All you have to do is keep your eyes on the monitor. Welcome to Freddy Fazbear's, where fantasy and fun come to life. Okay. You must be a new security guard. Can I uh, help you, officer? Have you met them yet? Met who? Them. Kids went missing. The police searched Freddy's top to bottom. Hello? They never found them. It's why the place shut down. There are ghost children possessing giant robots. Thanks for the heads up. Technically, they're animatronics. What do they want? They want to make her like them. Bobby! Tell me how to stop them. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> Bobby, go! <laughs> Where to? Why do I always get the weirdos? So the movie is directed by Emma Tammy, who is making a name for herself directing movies about killer animatronics because she also directed Megan and Threegan uh, earlier this year. Uh, this movie is based off a screenplay by Emma Tammy, Seth Cutterback, and Scott Cawthon. Who's that, you ask? Well, Scott Cawthon is the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, which this movie is based off the video game of the same name, the point-and-click horror game from 2014 that because of certain YouTubers and certain Twitch streamers became much bigger of a thing than I think anybody, including including Scott Cawthon, thought it ever could be. What is the premise of the movie? Well, Josh Hutcherson plays Mike Schmidt, a security guard at Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, a restaurant that is essentially Chuck E. Cheese, but with four creepier uh, animatronics that just That's possibly... Debatable. Right. <laughs> just possibly, maybe are possessed by the ghosts of murdered children. And uh, they just hang a lantern on it about halfway through the movie in a really weird way that most of these movies don't. We'll be talking spoilers because this is a relatively new movie, if not more or less brand new. You can still smell the new movie stink on it. So before we talk spoilers and the movie kind of, you know, specifically, we'll talk a little bit holistically about it. Kick it to you first, Dustin. Would you suggest someone who has never seen Five Nights at Freddy's or knows very little about it, like you did, because we are kind of on the spectrum, on a range here between the three of us, would you suggest someone who's never had any exposure to Five Nights at Freddy's check out the movie? Did it do a good job as a movie outside of it being a fan service extravaganza? Yeah, I mean, being someone that doesn't know anything about the lore or much of the background of it at all, yeah, I enjoyed the movie. It was entertaining. It was... uh not not a, a as original 
in that you know there's other movies that have had animatronic restaurant uh horror films like uh wally's wonderland and uh what's it called banana splits banana splits mind you they both yeah. do exist in a post five nights at freddy's universe though i mean right willie's wonderland is literally ripping off five nights at freddy's like i mean for good and bad i think right like Willy's Wonderland came out in 2021. I mean, they changed they changed characters in Willy's Wonderland, I'm pretty sure, to be less uh, obvious facsimiles of the characters of Five Nights at Freddy's. But to your point, Dustin, the idea of a this Five Nights at Freddy's is an idea that someone else came up with. It's called literally Chuck E. Cheese. But but I think what I liked about it is it kind of was a little bit nostalgic in that way. If you've ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese or a Showbiz Pizza, uh as a kid, you peek behind that curtain and you see these, like, you know, I mean, they're in the dark behind the curtain, freaky looking animatronics. I mean, that's exactly what this brought up, except these actually come to life and kill people. <laughs> um, Emma, same question to you, but your level of exposure to Five Nights at Freddy's, I think even trumps mine. Um, I've learned about it recently and kind of thrown myself in headfirst, but Exposure to Five Nights at Freddy's uh, before watching the movie. Thoughts as some, and then thoughts as uh, you know, someone who who's seen and heard of this long before uh, you know a lot of people seeing the movie did. Yeah, so I mean, I was aware of Five Nights at Freddy's when the first game came out. I believe I was in high school at the time. Was watching a lot of Let's Plays at the time. I still do, uh, but that was around the time that I really got into watching YouTubers and Let's Plays. Uh, I think I primarily saw PewDiePie more than Markiplier. I know Markiplier. Uh, is kind of more iconic for the memes. But um, yeah, I, I watched a lot of like PewDiePie playing the first game. And then I saw bits and pieces of other games as it came out. It didn't quite pull me in lore because I didn't really know that there was deep lore when it first came out. I was just like, oh, uh, interesting jump scare game. Okay. And like you watch it a few times and the formula is pretty similar. So once you watch somebody beat it, it kind of, to me, it felt a little stale. Obviously, they evolved the series like completely beyond that. But at the time, I, it didn't like really pull me in. I had never played the games myself. But every so often, I'd hear that a new one came out and I'd watch a couple of clips here and there. Uh, eventually, I would say back in like 2017, 2018-ish, uh, a bunch of like the lore videos started coming up on my feed and I had nothing else better to listen to. And so I that's when I really started learning about like the overarching story. Um, which like I was vaguely aware of after seeing a bunch of clips, but that was like the first time I was like, oh, wow, this is actually genuinely interesting. Um, I didn't have like a negative opinion of it uh, before that. I just wasn't entirely interested. But yeah, I started like binging a bunch of the lore videos and getting really into like the nitty gritty of the characters at the time. Um, and so much has changed since then, too. And I've noticed that like the lore in and of itself is so complex. Most of it is headcanons, uh, more than anything else. Like very little has been confirmed by Scott Cawthon. Exactly. Like, uh, and it's so, confirmed in the way of just like offering information to confirm fan theories, but never really confirming them, which is yeah, and not bizarre, be, but it's I I don't know. Like it seems very uniquely obnoxious in a right, and like because the games in and of themselves are so self-contained in whatever experience they're trying to elicit. All of like you'll get like bits and pieces of like somebody said a line here, and oh, there's a thing in the background here, but like anything to substantiate that is taken from either other games or the book series 
or like uh there's like little like uh easter eggs or like uh there was like a lore book that they did release that did um that was like an official lore book and and they i feel like it, it gave people more questions than answers are you talking about like the, can, the in-universe lore book or the out-of-universe lore book the one that i could go on amazon and buy there's one but there is one that is like this is a thing that a character in the universe finds and then there is a essentially like an encyclopedia of characters i think i think the first one okay which is which is like in and of itself kind of fucking insane. Like, yeah, the the lore for fu- again, like and and this is me as someone who's spent the last two weeks just like watching tons of Five Nights at Freddy lore videos, which let me tell you, Dustin. Yeah, they the 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 levels to which they come back in on themselves multiple times is just it's. The movie just scratches the surface, and I hope to God the movie just does it in a way that doesn't make everybody who has never seen this go, okay, so now I'm checking the fuck out. Like, And, right. and that's obviously a concern with something like this when you have so much pre-existing stuff that, I mean, 10, I mean, almost 10 years worth of external lore that is being mined. You know, if you if you go and look up interviews with Scott Coffin about this movie, there were three different ideas for movies that they were kicking around. And then he took the idea that they came to him with and said, I don't want to do that, period, the end. <laughs> and and that was that. Like, he has had a, an immense amount of control over this, too, which right. I think is good, uh, my opinion, personally. But what did you think of the movie, Emma, as someone who's kind of been with Five Nights at Freddy's for, like you said, since the, since the jump, almost? Yeah, I would say... Uh... Like, again, I would say I'm a casual consumer of this series, not like super hardcore. I do have friends that are so much more into it than I could ever dream of being. Um, and I honestly going into it, uh, I did watch with one of those friends and m- my opinion was going to entirely ride on how they felt about it. Other obviously, like I was gonna go in like with my own, like, okay, this is sort of what I'm expecting and come out with like, okay, that was enjoyable or not. But for me, the real litmus test was, did you like it? Me saying that to my friend who was way deeper into the lore. Um, because like if you were able to satisfy both a new audience and the dedicated audience, I think that's pretty impressive. But ultimately, like I I enjoyed it. It was fun. I would say my biggest gripe, if anything, honestly, if I were to nitpick, I just wish it were scarier. Not like the story, but the jump scares. So much of the games are centered around jump scares that are, you know, genuinely like loud and in your face. And like they're meant to be like cheesy and they're meant to elicit those like strong reactions. And that was like how the original game got so much traction is because it made all of these Let's Players on YouTube, you know, have all these silly, shareable, viral reactions. And like that was what I personally, what I think gave it the popularity that it had is that those reactions to the jump scares were so viral. I think without that, it probably wouldn't have gotten nearly as popular. That's my opinion, at least. And so seeing the movie and hearing that it's supposed to be for an older audience. And then they don't go all out on the jump scares, like not even one. Like, uh, like even my friend said, like the the scariest thing was Balloon Boy. And then other, and then the, the ongoing joke online is that the only real jump scare was Matt Pat. 
<laughs> and so like, but that's so that's a general consensus is like, if you played these games, this movie will not get you because you're expecting more. You're waiting for the bigger one. And it just never really comes. I mean, like if you're watching like in the dark with headphones by yourself and like maybe just maybe if you have it like turned, if you have the volume turned up, but like other than that, um, you or you startle real easy and I startled pretty easy, which is why I was a little disappointed. But that was that's my biggest gripe. I feel like if they were able to go a little bit harder on the jump scares, I think I would consider this movie roughly perfect in terms of this was overall a very entertaining watch. So that's my one gripe. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But, I mean, otherwise, I have no real complaints. Uh, They did, uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, but they did uh, change a lot of things with the lore. And so that was where I was most concerned about with, with fans. Like, how would that be perceived? But... I'm sure you want to get into that later. So, so my my feelings on the movie, obviously, like we've kind of mentioned, are are three varying levels of entry points here. Uh, so I'm kind of in between uh, Emma and and Dustin, and and again, like I said, I kind of threw myself into the lore just so I could, I don't know, just so I could hyperfixate on something for two weeks. Who the fuck? <laughs> uh, and so I spent a lot of time watching lore videos and stuff. And again, I don't know how much it, it informed my ability to enjoy the movie other than or any more than say either you or or Dustin, given that again, like I would think some of this should be the movie should be able to be enjoyed in the absence of knowing any of these things. And like you already mentioned, Dustin, like you're, I think obviously your feelings are pretty, pretty well proof of that. You can enjoy this movie and have zero idea, any of purple guy and William Afton and any of that. You don't have to know any of that coming into this. The movie does a good enough job giving you the basic things, the basic kind of guardrails right now. We're not going up the steepest or the most complex hill right now, but there's enough guardrails where it's, there are kids, they're in these animatronic suits and there's a, a golden bunny or yellow bunny that killed them. Where we go from there, who They again. really found a happy medium of like, how do we explain the mechanics of this world to new people without it feeling boring to people that have been with us for so long? I That's what honestly, it, uh, that is what impressed me um, more than anything. Obviously, like the, uh, the animatronic uh, suits that they made and like the sets in and of themselves are very impressive. But the fact that they were able to have like non-exposition exposition it was nothing too crazy for people that were new to not be able to grasp and yet it wasn't boring and i think 
that is a really hard balance to strike between, you know, like new fans of it and old, dedicated veteran fans. Like, how do we satisfy both ends of the extreme spectrum? And I think they they struck a pretty decent balance. I haven't seen any negative from like in the online community at the very least. uh, (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, there's plenty of negative reviews oh, about this. I'm movie. not talking about critics. They're invalid. They're valid, but it's like you, again, okay, so let's talk about it. I think three of us are in agreement. This is a movie worth checking out if if yes. you even have like a passing interest. Uh, it's so, fun. I will give which, it the seal of approval of it is a fun watch. Which in this day and age, that's... That's need- more than enough. <laughs> yeah, that's really needed. Uh, so let's talk spoilers. Let's talk specifics. Uh, so, yes, this is a movie that hews close, but not directly to the lore. They make a lot of changes. Uh, the character of Josh Hutcherson is playing a character from the game who more than likely will not be going on the journey of the character in the game, which makes perfect sense given that the character in this movie doesn't even embark on the same journey that the character from the game does. Frankly, and this this might sound like a take, I think the lore actually when it's being written by and diffused through the filter of professional screenwriters and screen and people who work on screenplays, be it screenwriters, be it screenwriter, like screenplay doctors, because I'm sure that there are plenty of people uncredited on these scripts. The lore can actually make sense. And you know what? I don't feel bad saying that because I've spent probably 30 hours reading and watching things about the lore And the lore can't keep itself straight, but that's also kind of what happens when you have something that is a thing that is not a thing, but now it has to be a thing, which means you got to explain all the things that nobody, yourself specifically, thought you'd have to explain or go in depth on or give meaning to. Freddy Krueger doesn't get explained until the third movie of Nightmare on Elm Street. Why? Because the first movie, he's just Freddy Krueger. There's no pomp and circumstance i just rewatched dr no for the first time they don't really make a big deal out of the fact that he's james bond until i think the second or third movie because at one point it's not a thing and this for a lot of people is not a thing which means they can approach it in a way that is like it's new to these people and that is what they do i think with a, a shocking amount of success and restraint because this is a rather tight story Again, I think it kind of goes some weird places, but I, for one, am more interested in the movie lore moving forward than some of the video game lore, because the video game lore is now, well, the video game lore is also now trying to fix the problems from the previous game. retconning. And the movie's not going to have to do that, because again, this is starting its own universe of things that is separate from, this is not in the same universe as the video game. So this is its own thing completely so i mean my initial takeaway from this movie is uh yeah the critics have really roasted the shit out of this movie and i understand why but like you mentioned emma if you're a fan of the series i don't know how you could dislike this movie unless you just want to be nitpicky about the eye colors different or this you know golden freddy <laughs> this and kids names Those that hate fun no they want it to be what they have always known it to be and you know scott Cawthon giving the keys to you know, Blumhouse and Universal, uh, you know, that can be seen as people coming into, you know, the castle and painting it their own color, which I get, but it 
it doesn't invalidate all of the Five Nights at Freddy's lore that exists because it is literally its own thing. Right. And I think the interesting thing is here, and I'm sure when you were watching uh, your eight hour lore recap, they brought up the books quite a lot, too. Now, I haven't read any of the books. Um, and this is, I think, what I struggle to understand. And that is, are all of these supposed to be within the same universe or taking place within adjacent universes? Because I think that answers enough questions in and of itself. Because if all of these different stories, uh, like I feel like the games are supposed to be the through line. And then I feel like the books add, are like flavor text. Like these were ideas I didn't get to explore be, like through the games. So now I get to explore them through the books. And like, yes, it's the same you know, mechanisms of the universe, but it's its own thing. And I feel like that's what the movie is. It's like, it's the same pieces. It's the same mechanics. It's the same rules, but just rearranged in a different, new, interesting way. You know, what if this character wasn't this character, but they're still like this character, but they're not from, they don't have that, you know, journey, like what you said. Um, And like, just playing around with like the different puzzle pieces and like, I wonder what would what would happen if this was the story instead. I wonder what interesting, you know, uh, things that we can uh, explore here. And I feel like when you look at it with that lens, it feels less frustrating um, personally. So I'm curious because I, I did do a lore recap before this, but you were the one that hyper fixated on it for two weeks. So what is your opinion on that? I, I think, look, obviously what they've done is they've, like you mentioned, they've taken a lot of the things from all over and condensed it into one thing. I mean, the character of Vanessa is in the video game, but he's just been introduced in the last couple years, essentially. Yep. The character, she's basically a brand new character. Right. The character that Mary, Mary Stu Masterson plays is not even in the game, uh, oh. which, which, which I mean, to be fair, given what the character ends up being in the movie, that more or less is obvious. Just, just the weirdness of the character. But yeah, I, I, I ultimately feel like if we're talking just about like, the lore things that that they've done and the way that they approached it, it really was just distilling everything as much as they could down to something that would be approachable for a mainstream audience. I mean, I know I read what like their other ideas for other movies were, and it was like, oh, we're going to talk about this one specific random side story from the game, and we're going to use that as, and it's like, no, no, no. You need to tell this story, but you need right. to figure out what this story is if you're going to tell it in a movie form and going, OK, we've got this guy. He has a sister. His brother got kidnapped. His parents are dead and he is down on his luck and he wants to work somewhere, but he can't seem to hold a job because he has this trauma about his brother being kidnapped. Like, you know what? That doesn't sound like Five Nights at Freddy's on the face of it, because it's really no. not. But yet somehow it totally makes sense now. That this is the direction. I mean, talking in your sleep's not in Five Nights at Freddy's either. But now it's like I don't know if you can unconnect that with with Five Nights at Freddy's and like just if you are now going to become a fan of this, that is going to be something that you associate with this that was never associated with the franchise before. So as far as I'm concerned, to, to speak again, to not get bogged down in the previous lore that almost doesn't matter anymore, other than to just go, well, this is different. This is the same. This is how you do this. And if anybody wants to make video game movies moving forward, this is a good example on how to balance fan expectations from the last decade, almost almost decade of lore, plus bringing in people 
that have zero lore uh, exposure and all they know is, oh, this is like a Chuck E. Cheese or this is like a Showtime pizza or this is like a, and it's like, all you know is the thing that it's like, but that with what they've done, paring everything down and really laser focusing it. I, I again, like, you know, it's Dustin, very streamlined. Dustin, you and I have watched plenty of video game movies in our lifetime. And maybe, Emma, you've seen some of the bad ones, but video game movies get a bad rap. And we're now yeah. living in an age of like video game movies not sucking anymore either. It's did bizarre. Uwe, did Uwe Boll stop making video game movies? Yeah. I mean, Uwe Boll's <laughs> just making movies now. <laughs> but I mean, his video game movies sucked. Right. Well, I mean, again, they they are so far removed from what the source material is that it's like, well, why why call this House of the Dead? Because mm-hmm. there's a house with dead people in it. Like y- you could make a video game movie based on House of the Dead and it'd be pretty compelling because that story is basic and dumb enough that you could really build it out and make something fun out of it. I mean, they did it with Resident Evil and Resident Evil's lore is as complicated, if not more complicated and complex than than Five Nights at Freddy's. But I think to your point, Emma, and this is probably the spot to start, this is a great Five Nights at Freddy's movie. This is a bad horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is Agreed. like a bad, I mean, it's, it's such a shame to say it, but yeah. it's a bad horror movie because it's not scary. The jump scares, which is, this is the jump scare simulator, the game. That's what this movie's based on. I mean, look, I we all know that you, that jump scares are kind of passe in horror now, and people would be like, like, "If I'm expecting it anywhere, I expect it yeah, here." This is the this is the time and place. Like, come on, guys, we could yeah. have done more. I mean, they they I, have them, but they're just they're not they're so great. quiet. And the thing is, like, so subtle. Maybe Your jump scares shouldn't be subtle. And and my thought is on that. Well, maybe instead of doing a jump scare. Maybe the idea of let less emulating the game is more just doing. I mean, there are moments in this movie. Again, I laugh, but that's only because like the puppet, the animatronics have really weird personality, and yeah. and they always remind me of like a killer Furby, and they're like, "Fight me, little bitch!" Like that's what they look like. They're always like making these like really like they're closing their eyelids really small, and they're like yeah. squinting at you, and like I can't help but laugh. And th- I'm not campy. saying it's I'm a little saying, campy. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a problem that I'm laughing, but they're supposed to be scary. Theoretically. Yeah. Theoretically. I know it's a complex thing because they're the spirits of dead kids stuffed into animatronics. So are they really scary? Are they really menacing? Or is this like a level of misunderstood? Sharks don't know their strength. Dogs don't know their strength. So they're just fucking around and killing people by accident. It's a little bit of column A. It's a little bit of column B. But the problem for me is this is just not a scary movie at all. And it's literally being billed as a horror movie and it's not scary. It's just, it's Five Nights at Freddy's. That's what it is. Right. And I think at this point where the games have gone now, it is less scary. It's more mildly unsettling at times. But like I I just watched um, both like uh, Security Breach and the DLC Ruin, which is like the, the newest uh, installments. And... I would not call those scary either. I feel like they're evolving past, you know, what they originally were. And like they're they're keeping the same undertones of this is an unsettling thing. There are there is some unsettling imagery, but we're not trying to necessarily scare you the way we used to. And I'm okay with that if that's the direction you want to go. But you can't call it a horror movie. It um a thriller maybe would you 
I don't know. What would you call it? If not a horror movie, what would you call it? Kids movie? Oh, no. I mean, it is a kids movie, isn't it? Like, so here's, okay. I don't know. Like, let me, okay. It's, it's, It's like Hunger Games. How's that? It's, it's like, sure. It's like Hunger Games. It's like Harry Potter. It's, it is an adaptation of something that is ostensibly for children, but adults enjoy it because adults have, because it's been out for 10 years now, someone started 14 or seven years old watching Five Nights at Freddy's. They're an adult now. Like, and, and, you know, part of it, I mean, look, I like Harry Potter uh, because I liked it in my early 20s and my late teens. I still kind of like it now. I I like Lord of the Rings for the same reason. Those are things that have stuck with me. And those were the things that could have stuck with me at that age because those were the things that were around. Five Nights at Freddy's was around for a certain group of people at a certain age. And now they're adults. And like you mentioned, this is being tailored for an older audience, but it w- or at least that's what I've heard it's supposed to be. But also, I don't think the games ever had a child target audience. That's the thing. I guess that's it's just the, who ended it, up watching the Let's Plays, though, because yeah. Let's Plays are targeted towards the younger audience. Mm-hmm. Less so now, but like at the time of like the, the when, you know, when Markiplier, Jacksepticeye, PewDiePie, when all of them were like, at their peak, they were the YouTube kings. Like, don't get me wrong. They absolutely still are in their own right. But like, I feel like YouTube has evolved past like, you know, these communities being so niche yet pervasive. Um, and like now it's just kind of like, you know, the idea of a let's player is less like only the select group of people know it online. Like now it's like, okay, yeah, you watch people play video games on YouTube. Sure, whatever. And like at the time, it felt like there, it was almost like a secret club. And yet they were so big. It was like it, it was a very strange time. Honestly. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But, like, yes, it was targeted towards children because children primarily were the ones on YouTube. Like young adults, children, that was YouTube's main target audience. That's who YouTube attracted. And so most of FNAF, you know, built its audience because of Let's Players on YouTube. And if not for that, it probably would have been a much smaller title, but it would have had its intended target audience from the beginning. And I think that's what it comes down to it because like, Kids definitely latch on to funny viral things and also edgy things like it was a perfect storm uh, to like make it into something so much bigger than it originally intended to be. Um, and and it held up. That's the thing, too, is that it held up and, and the quality evolved with the audience. But the games are are still at this point, I would say the games have now widened to 
uh, allow a much broader audience rather than like how the first game, you know, was so dark and dingy and like that was the aesthetic. Like uh, Security Breach and Ruin are colorful and bright and engaging. And like not to say that adult things can't be colorful, but like I feel like things being colorful inherently makes it feel more for children because that's how that's what we're like sort of coded to believe. So so it feels like it encompasses a much larger group. And I think that's exactly what the movie is doing, even though they say their target audience is, you know, the the older Gen Z and millennial. Well, that brings me back to the initial question that I wanted to ask you guys. So this is a thing that was popular on Twitch and YouTube, which as popular as we may find it to be, as much as we may watch YouTube and Twitch, that's not mainstream. And so I was... I was thinking about this yesterday when I was watching another set of YouTubers who I think in my mind have struggled with finding legitimacy and popularity outside of their platform, which is Good Mythical Morning. They have like a very big popular presence on YouTube, but they had a Food Network show that ran like five episodes and then was canceled or wasn't renewed. And it's like Five Nights at Freddy's now has transcended what I would consider to be internet culture and is now... And is now part of the mainstream. But then I also sit and wonder, is that the case? Because the people that are part of the mainstream rejected the movie because they were like, well, this this is not, you know, this isn't a good movie. I mean, that was the critics. The critics roasted this movie into the ground. I was like a 26 on Rotten Tomatoes, which matters nothing to anybody who actually knows anything because Rotten Tomatoes is a fucking aggregator and those scores mean nothing. They don't affect the quality of the movie and they sure as hell don't affect the amount of money that the movie made. This movie cost $20 million, made $200 million as, you know, 250 as of right. But it's weird to see something that has been part of internet subculture. Very niche internet subculture. Being presented to a mainstream audience and it seemingly somewhat resonating. Because I feel like, like you mentioned with Markiplier, PewDiePie, and Matt Pat, because he's in this mm. video. You have it's I'm not saying YouTube isn't like, oh, you're not popular. Oh, you're not like well known. Oh, but like I if you're a YouTube personality, that means you're on YouTube. Yes. You're not on YouTube. You're not not considered mainstream the same way that if you see something on TV is. But I think that's the takeover now is things on YouTube are getting significantly more views than things on TV. There are so many people that I know that haven't turned on like a cable television in ages. Like I if I'm going to watch something, I'm going to find it online at this point. Like why would I wait for something to play, you know, on the TV? Like I have to wait for a specific time and like make sure that and like deal with commercials when I can just look it up online. And I feel like that is the shift now, and that's why so many like things are like turning to streaming services. And that in and of itself has become more popular and more mainstream. But like there is still that disconnect of target audience. And I think anything that is interpreted for a younger audience is inherently considered not even less mainstream, but just not to be taken as seriously. Like, oh, you're not a real celebrity, even though, you know, this person has like 50 million subscribers on YouTube. Like how many people like view their videos i mean you would consider that person if they got that many views on their you know recent tv show like that is absolutely a mainstream celebrity but well, it's, it's like just mr beast of, right like right 
like I always ask the question, like, who watches Mr. Beast videos? Like, somebody must because he's immensely popular, but yet I don't know anyone personally who sits down to watch it, but he has like however many millions of subs. But again, go onto the street and ask 10 people if they know who Mr. Beast is. I don't know what percentage any one of us would feel comfortable saying it would be at, but I don't know if it would be higher than 50%. Right, because I think, again, it it depends on target audience. I think Mr. Beast, uh, I mean, I'm not sure about this, but my my gut feeling is that a good chunk of Mr. Beast audience is children, and children are not taken seriously in this world. And it's like, if you make content that children consume primarily, then your thing is inherently invalid. And it's... It's sad that that's how it's interpreted. It really is. And like, it's interesting because I've seen so many things over the past decade, things that were so niche that have like creeped its way into more mainstream culture and just like all like the little, you know, fandoms and things that I was interested in and like was, you know, ostracized for liking. And now like so many people, like the the fact that anime has become so mainstream and like now it's like all over Netflix and people are like, oh, have you seen the live action One Piece? And it's like, where were you 10 years ago? It, it's really fascinating to see how all of this is evolving so fast because of the Internet. And, you know, people used to get made fun of for being like video game nerds. And now it's like you're somebody that hasn't played a video game. Now it's surprising if you haven't seen a Marvel movie, which Dustin, you and I both know if you were a comic book reader in the 80s like go fuck mm-hmm. yourself go fuck yourself nerd like it's insane how that shift and i like and we're seeing it more and more every day so even though fnaf doesn't feel mainstream because it has been consumed primarily as as a as a non-serious children's pastime you know it's obviously proving to be more than that and for good reason, there is something so fascinating here and just because something is consumed by children does not mean that it is not adult topics. You know, when you really distill what FNAF is, like, it's disturbing shit. Like, I well, uh, there's the fact- meta text, there's subtext to it that's never mentioned. And it reminds yes. me a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy Krueger was a child molester in that first. I didn't know that. Wow, I learned something. I mean, it's they never like say it outright, but it is very heavily implied. And then that stopped being the case very quickly for a multitude of reasons, namely one of them being you can't have a character go, you know, welcome to prime time, bitch. And everybody, yeah, because you can't do that if he's a child molester. There is a subtext to characters in Five Nights at Freddy's that if this were not for kids, it would have been William Afton is a child molester on top of everything else. And he murders kids. But like, apparently the murdering of the kids is okay for the kids. Yeah, 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 of course. Kids can consume media about kids being murdered just fine. Um, So, okay. So all of the lore and shit aside, because again, like I'm not saying it's shit, but like there's just so much of it. It is literally like piling up every day is what it feels like. I mean, I almost, before you want to move on, I just want to ask Dustin one question. Dustin, I want to know how you feel about this. And that is when it comes to the lore. No, So you knowing nothing about you know, previous and like we're talking like so many things have been retconned and so many things are different. How do you feel about the fact that up until the movie, Michael is William Afton's son? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah right. Canonic- canonically, he is his yes. son from the first game up until the moment he dies. And one of the Michael Afton. 
Yeah. That is the character that we knew up until the movie, Michael Afton. It's been Michael Afton from the beginning. And now all of a sudden it's Mike Schmidt. And But he was uh, Mike Schmidt in the video game that was just at one, he, it was right. he was using different last names or something. And that's right. what I thought it was. Right. So it's a little bit of, you know, lip service, but Right. I mean, from what I'm understanding, at least from what I've seen of other theory videos, it's the idea that the family structures have, have flipped. And so here's the other thing that people that have seen the movie but don't know the lore. Uh, Michael, uh, sorry, uh, William Afton had a partner, uh, Henry, and they both worked on the animatronics together. Like they were the ones that created it together. And so Henry had one daughter and Michael had three children. And so right now, it seems that the two have swapped. And so now it's that William has one daughter and uh, Henry, supposedly, if it, if we are to believe that the, you know, the father in uh, Michael's dreams is Henry, uh, then, you know, it's like those family dynamics have swapped. And then the reason why people have backed up that the father uh, that we see in the dream sequences is Henry is that in one of like the welcome videos uh during like uh michael like going to uh the pizzeria and like seeing like the videotapes there's somebody working in the background on one of the animatronics and those two characters look very similar i don't know if it's confirmed that they're the same person but like it would make a lot of sense and so that's what i've seen is that basically the children of the two creators of the animatronics basically got Flip. That being said, Vanessa is not the name of Henry's daughter in the original. Uh, what was it? I forgot. Do you remember? Barely. That one. <laughs> and so, but that's the thing, right? Is Ooh, it, I, I can't remember everything. Two weeks ago, I would have had no answer for you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. So, but, but Dustin, question still stands. Like, that is obviously a major change. So, oh, like, huge. So, and that, again, that's why I was like, I want to know, you know, how people feel about like, especially like I was going to bend to the opinion of my friends that are much bigger fans. Like, how do you feel about these massive changes? Because these are huge changes to the lore. Like, and they were fine with it. And so knowing this now, like, Howard, how do you feel about that? It seems like, I mean, just listening to you guys talk about a lot of the background of it all, that this game was created probably with no lore in mind, like create the game, period, and let the game live on. Right. And then that's, that's the assumption. And then fans took it and ran with it, kind of, kind of created the story for the original creator. And then he got stuck having to fill in some blanks that he didn't know he was going to have to do. So this movie, you said it sounds like he had a lot of creative control. It was kind of his, probably his chance to reset a little bit and tell the story he wants to tell about yeah, this. That's my feeling too, honestly. Yeah. I'm and like, I'm works. not mad about it. And like, again, like just, I mean, like again, Dustin, just like hearing the way we're talking about it, like you can tell how fucking convoluted this is. Oh, and yeah. oh that it, is so it, surface level. That what? is, if you're looking at like the iceberg, this is like the tip of the ice. There's so much. Well, and what else? And an easy an easy exit strategy is what Marvel did with the MCU, right? Different multiverse. universes, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a multiverse. Like it can all live in the same uh, s- space, but it's parallel universes. Well, and that and like, oh. that 
Well, that's the crazy thing here. So in the video and in the later videos, the, the, and a, one of the VR games that came out, Help Wanted, they mm. say that Five Nights at Freddy's 1, 2, 3, and 4, 5, and 6 as well are all, and this is how convoluted, they're all actually in the universe of Five Nights at Freddy's being made by Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria to make light of real things that happened in that universe to try to re-garner public support for the Five Nights at Freddy's brand. That's how fucking insane they have to get to retcon their own things as they have to go, well, those games that are that everybody thought were about lore are actually just the lore being interpreted by a rogue game developer. See that as Scott Cawthon, who again, like it, the video games are in universe. That is to how make exception. light of child uh, murders, right? And... To, to cover it up, to, to again to to like, get people oh, to once oh, again you guys go to five that nights for real things. This is just a silly video game. Nobody actually died. Is that like, like that was the purpose of it? That's how convoluted this this lore ends up getting is that they have to get out of their own sphere to bring it back to explain things that were already explained, but now have to be unexplained, re-explained and then recontextualized. And, and you know what I can compare this to? Like you kind of mentioned, you know, that you take comic books, you make movies, but comic books kind of already had their own large universe well put together right a well put together large universe this almost feels like an snl skit turned into a movie you know you see a repeating snl skit on saturday night live you know maybe it's the roxbury brothers you know night at the roxbury and that was a repeating skit there was no story behind it it was just a a thing that they did and then all of a sudden they had to come up with a story for it interesting and i actually I actually think that's a that's a very interesting comparison because it does it does smack of like again if you if you play the first Five Nights at Freddy's there is some lore but all it is is like posters that you can see if you go out of your way to see them and all they talk about is thinly veiled things that happened and then they have phone guy who just exposition dumps and they kind of do that in the movie but again it's all so well done in the movie that it really makes everything else feel like just 10 years worth of research, 10 years worth of beta testing ideas to see what sticks. And now they're like, well, this is going to be the thing that carries. Look, you know, people say security breach and they have problems with it because it kind of makes light of or makes this thing a lot more fun than it used to be and not scary. I think what the movie is doing is actually making this a story that makes sense that they can continue for a while and and actually go some different places. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more Five Nights at Freddy associated things that mm-hmm. come out of this movie being successful, like a Five Nights at Freddy's cartoon, if as if it were. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The characters in the universe or something like that. But you can only get to that point if you take your fucking lore and turn it into something that makes sense that normal people are going to be able to understand, which is, like you mentioned, Dustin, what they had to do with the MCU. Like, we are now at the point where people go, right, a talking tree and a talking raccoon. Okay, there was a time where that was something that was as hard to wrap your mind around mainstream-wise as Five Nights at Freddy's is expecting you to be or expecting you to get there. I do like in this movie how they just go, well, yeah, of course it's little kids' ghosts inside of animatronics. How do you think they move? And when the when the character in the movie said that, I literally thought my brain exploded because I was like, wait, a <laughs> wait, you don't just do that. But they nope. did. But they did. And it's like, <laughs> okay, okay, fine. You know what? I kind of don't care because you don't care. And the fact that neither one of us care allows me to enjoy this a little bit more. They're poking fun at it, too. Like, like yes, yeah, it does. You can accept it. Yeah. Like, what? You don't get it? Get with the fucking program. Like, that's the vibe, right? Yeah. And But I will say that the the way that they have condensed and streamlined, you know, the story for the movie in comparison to the game's is refreshing like that's like the only way i can really view it is like especially after like reviewing the lore because again i I hadn't watched some of these lore videos in a while and keeping up with everything is hard and i have short-term memory problems and so like catching back up with it and being like oh my god right yeah that happened oh god yeah that's the order of events maybe things are headcanons and like trying to keep straight like which part of this has been confirmed and which part of this is your interpretation and like all of it's so confusing and it's fun don't get me wrong but like there when you watch a movie this is the difference i think is like when you watch a movie you don't want to be left afterwards thinking i now need to hyper fixate on the lore for two weeks in order to understand what i just watched unless i want to Unless I want, yes. But like when you watch a movie, you're supposed to come out of the theater and be like, that was a good watch. And like as much as people nowadays really do like getting into the lore and the nitty gritty of, you know, all of the different possibilities of the story and headcanons and all of that. I think that that makes more sense when you consume something piecemeal, like the way that this video game franchise has come about. Because like you slowly start digging into more and more and more. But if it had to be like that whole eight hour recap that you watched, Chris, after seeing this movie, if that's what you needed, understand the movie in and of itself. That's not okay. Then you just explain most of those Star Wars movies that came out. Oh, Emperor Palpatine is back as told in Fortnite. I'm sorry. That was in the most recent Star Wars, in the most recent Star Wars movie that came out, the mainline movie Rise of Skywalker. The the plot point of Emperor Palpatine being resurrected was revealed in Fortnite. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm not a huge fan of having to do additional homework to enjoy something. No, I agree. You know, like if it was a TV show, again, it comes out piecemeal and like you can sort of pick apart like what is real and what is, you know, a headcanon and what like, you know, digging from this and this was foreshadowed here. And like it feels more satisfying. It's uh, unwrapping a present slowly. But like when I'm watching like a two-ish hour film all in one sitting, I don't want to be like, wait, who is that character? Wait, like what was that scene about? 
what was this supposed to mean? Oh, they mentioned like five names and then they never came back to it. Like, that's not fun. There is a fun way to do extreme lore. And in in my opinion, in a two hour movie, that's it's not the right way to do it. Like, if you're going to do something that's super lore heavy, it has to be something that people can digest in small batches. Because this is just overwhelming. I mean, Chris, like when I was searching up like, uh, you know, revised FNAF timeline videos and the eight hour one came up on like the in the results. And I was like, no, you to watch it. You should have <laughs> enjoyed every singular minute of it. I will tell you as somebody who's seen enough of it already. I was not going to do that to myself. Never have enough FNAF lore. OK. Golden <laughs> Bonnie, Spring Trap, Glitch Trap, a Burn Trap. I could keep going. I understand. You, I, want me I to. do. I do re-understand now the the Springlock suits and why that is the way it is. The I get it now. It's it's to it. It was like that because it wasn't just a mascot costume. It was also an animatronic at the same time. I feel like that was something my mind completely glossed over. They were supposed to be able to be converted from animatronics to mascots all in one. And so the the uh, locks were supposed to keep all of the mechanical bits to the outside. But yet the springs go inward. inward. Yes, but at least now I understand why they're there. But yet they still go inward to yeah. kill the person in- again. It's. It's the most unsafe safety thing, short of like, oh, this airbag has a giant spike in the center. I'm just... <laughs> Don't make sure your airbag... If your airbag goes off, you'll be fine until the spike penetrates your skull and kills you. So, you know. I'm just saying most people that I watched like do a timeline video when they talked about them were also saying like, I don't know how in this universe those got greenlit, but anyway. Right. <laughs> Dustin, I, I, I think one of us may have cut you off at one point. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I think the this creator also kind of seeing what the fan base did with it, realized the monster that he had. And this movie, <laughs> this movie is a, a way to uh, take control of that monster, in, not only in terms of story, but merchandising. I, I mean, yeah, I agree. Yeah, because yeah. now now you've got total control of that world and. I mean, there's already stuff out there, but now it can be more cohesive. And like we mentioned with the MCU, you think about Disney Plus and all the little side projects and shows they have. This totally paves the way for that. Oh, have a John Wick TV show on Peacock. There's no way they don't do something with this on Peacock Mm -hmm. TV. Like, it's just it's too good. They heard it was the most viewed thing on Peacock to date. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that's the thing, you know. We joked about this, Emma, before we watched the movie, like before the movie came out or before we could watch the movie, the reviews were coming out and it was like, this movie is shit. And I was like, oh, no, the people that love Five Nights at Freddy's are going to be really disappointed. No, it actually turns out that the movie is just not for the critics, because, again, it it is a movie. It hangs together. There is a story. There are performances. They're fine, fine to great to varying degrees. But I Again, I understand why the people that don't like this movie don't like it, but I do think that there has never been a case made more for the idea of the separation of the fans of something and the critics of everything that that thing is in the medium of kind of needing to, we need to have the conversation of if something is not made in 
in the way that someone else wants it to be, while I appreciate that you may not like it, the person who it is made for may like it, and that does not make their opinion less valid. And I'm not saying that the critics are saying it isn't, but this, I I mean, again, living in a post-Rotten Tomatoes being put on box art for movies so that people could be like, oh my God, this has a good Rotten Tomatoes score. That must mean it's a good movie. No, no. And you know what? It's so hard to say that out loud as someone who spends so much time watching movies. But you know what I I personally find to be the worst part about Rotten Tomatoes? That it exists at all. That we have any sort of aggregator for people's opinions that can take my opinion and boil it down to five sentences. And I'm sure I've been guilty of this in the past. Five movie, five word movie reviews. I don't do that anymore. You know why? Because it's not fun for anybody. And frankly, boiling somebody's idea down to five words is just, it's just trying to be clever. And there's people that can do it that don't make it seem like it's snide. But some of it comes from that snideness and the dismissiveness. And I understand you can dismiss this movie. And plenty of critics have. Is this a dumb movie for kids? Who is this for? I don't get it. Animatronics make me want to give them a hug. They're not scary. I agree with that one. Um, But ultimately, there does have to be this weird conversation that has to be had of, if you're a fan of something and this thing is made for you, your opinion is not invalid because you liked it before. It's just, it's a weird, complex conversation to be had because yeah, the the critics' reviews for this movie, beyond low. The audience response, beyond high. So how do you, how do you differentiate? How do you take those two things and have a conversation about it? Well, well, I, I think it's what comes down to like, and this as somebody who isn't like a huge movie buff, I think this is my disconnect. What are critics looking for? That's what I want to know. It's are they looking matter for to each person? Right. But like what I'm assuming is like the at least like my idea of what a movie critic is meant to at least like the mainstream movie critic, like the people that like go on. Traditional. Thank you. That's that's because I I mean, I'm not lumping. And again, I didn't look at what he thought, but I'm not lumping a Chris Stuckman or some of these other YouTubers who do reviews in there, because, again, yes, they are on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, their scores are aggregated, but uh, it feels like some of them have their finger on the pulse of these things or at least are willing to acknowledge it, as opposed to, in my opinion, having their finger, thumb, and head firmly planted up their asshole. Because again, judging this movie against Raging Bull, like what movie are you really doing a disservice to? This movie or Raging Bull? I would actually contend you're doing a disservice to both because this movie's not made for the same reason Raging Bull was. And that might be unpopular. That may get me flack from certain people or certain people may think my opinion doesn't hold any water. But to be self-aware is important in 2023, especially if you're spending any time talking about anybody else's stuff. And I have to be just as self-aware as Scott Cawthon is about your place in the world and how much or little your opinion is going to matter. The moment you say, I didn't like it because I don't know anything about Five Nights at Freddy's and I'm not going to bother myself to learn anything about it. And my unwillingness to learn about it is also going to color my opinion. Because like, Dustin, you didn't learn anything about it ahead of time. You still enjoyed the movie. There have been reviews I have read that people have essentially said, I don't know the lore, don't care. And you know what? This movie, not for me, not good. And it's like, you have told me already you have zero interest in, in viewing this movie fairly. So they came in. like It sounds like you come up with a preconceived notion that like this is a thing for children. I don't care about it. So it has to really blow me away or I'm going to think it's bad. And I think like when it comes to art in general, like the what art is, 
so many people, it kind of reminds me of like the people that are super critical of modern art, you know, things that are super, you know, minimal and not easily understood on the surface and how they're, what it comes down to isn't necessarily what art looks like or the technique that was used, but it's what it was trying to represent or what it was trying to elicit. And as long as those things come across, it art is considered successful. It might not be considered beautiful. It might not be considered, you know, uh, technically, uh, you know, uh, impressive, but it still will be successful because the artist was able to elicit the reaction that they were looking for. And if a movie is meant to be fun and you had fun watching it, it is a successful movie. It just probably won't, you know, uh, critics have seen it all, I guess, or at least they want to believe that they have and they don't know joy, I guess. Like, that's what it comes. That's what it feels like is that like you have to be so anti joy, either that or like this is just not your cup of tea, which is fine. Like, not everyone's going to love this, of course. Like, if you're that's not subjective, but that's subjective. And then they treat it like objective truth. And I don't know how I feel about that because not everything has to have some big, deep, you know, metaphor behind it all. Not everything has to has to say like a million things. Sometimes a story can be simple. Sometimes it, you know, it, it doesn't have to have like some some big moral or mean something. It can just be a fun ride. And so many things that are fun rides are discredited because they're not artsy enough, I think is the general feeling. Yes, yeah, it, Dustin. It doesn't have to make its mark in cinema history. Like it doesn't have to be a defining moment. But in order to be enjoyable. Yet, and yet I think it did. But yet this movie is going to be something that people will fucking put on for days on end. It will be oh, their yeah. comfort movie. I've literally, oh, yeah. I mean, I've already seen these comments of like, I'm never going to turn this movie. I'm going to leave this movie on. I'm going to constantly come back to it and watch. And you know what? I don't think that's hyperbole at all. I no, think that either. that is, I think that that, again, that's a good thing. And, and to, to, to your point, Dustin and Emma, this is part, this movie inserts itself into a larger conversation, either by choice or by design of at what point do we all acknowledge, yo, uh, the world is fucked. The, everything around us is insane. And us being able to find Simple solace in a movie or TV show for an hour or two or however the fucking long you want to is something that I feel like is underappreciated, if not rarely acknowledged anymore. We talk about the quality of things. I'm as guilty as the rest of the people because I always drag on The Office, but I know that there are so many people out there that if The Office did not exist tomorrow but existed up until that point, there would be people that would have a hard time because it is a thing that they go back to on a bad day or X, Y, and Z. And you know what? That cannot be overstated how fucking important that is in this We state. need that. Right. So much of media, you know, that I think people tend to scoff at, or at least like the uppity people tend to scoff at, are... Be uppity. Uppity. Be uppity. It, it's the idea of media feeling like a warm blanket, you know? Like for me, that's Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli movies to me feel like just a comforting warm blanket. And I've seen them a ton of times, especially like My Neighbor Totoro. And like that one is absolutely the target audience is children. But what sticks with me is 
the the feelings, the the way that it elicits a feeling of nostalgia for a simpler time I was never a part of. Like that that's what it does for me. Like the the way that it it romanticizes connecting with nature in a way that I really never got to experience. And that it, it is able to provide that for me that even though I know the story is simple, even though I know that it is not my like if 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 it was made today, I'm not the target audience. And yet it is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It feels so comforting in a way that I know I could return to it and and it can still elicit those same feelings for me. I wouldn't even necessarily have to like watch it and be completely engaged to feel those things. You know, it it's the music, it's the colors, it's the it's the general vibe, it's the dialogue. It doesn't have to be some like crazy story to be impactful, you know? Sometimes media just needs to be a warm blanket and and now everybody's trying to differentiate themselves and everybody's trying to do something new and different. And I feel like it's it's starting to go to a place that feels too obscure. Like it's it's just starting to collapse in on itself. And like during a time like this, having something that is easy to understand, easily digestible and just a fun fucking romp during a spooky season, like and sometimes an easy watch is necessary. And this fills that niche successfully, extremely successfully for a wide audience, not just in age, but in interest. Like the the fact that my parents even said, hey, Emma, there is this movie that came out. I don't know if you've heard of it. FNAF? Five Nights at Freddy's? Have you heard of this? And I was like, actually... Believe it or not, I've been aware of words leading You have three hours? (laughs) 12 years, actually. So we open, as you will, with William Afton. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to sit you. It's just like, get the board out and start writing. All right. Purple guy starts here. The safety crying child is, yeah, it's. But that, but that's the other thing, and you you mentioned it, Emma. Like the I like I have friends that I never would have thought would have watched this movie, and yet not only have they watched it, I have had conversations with them about it, and they have enjoyed it. And it's like, wait a second here, like this this is again like this has now legitimized it, and it doesn't need to be legitimized because it's a it's already so pervasive in a rather large I wouldn't even say corner, but rather large part of the internet. But yet again, I go back to the idea of Good Mythical Morning with two people who have an 18 million, you know, audience reach. But yet somehow I'm sure they don't see themselves as as legitimate as they would like to be, because, again, it's on the Internet. 
But yet at what point do those two things converge in a meaningful way? And I, I think something like Five Nights at Freddy's becoming a six overly successful movie and 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 now again like inserting itself into the public, you know, at least zeitgeist, the pop culture zeitgeist in a more mainstream way. I hope that we see more things like this, more. It's bridged a gap. Yeah. More people like Matt Pat and Mark Plyer getting opportunities to do more mainstream things. I mean, again, you mentioned the thing about Mark Plyer and Matt Pat and them pushing the conversation with Five Nights at Freddy's. Those two dudes and Scott Cawthon, like if 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 they aren't like, I don't know, like if they don't think they're lucky stars that the three of them existed at the same time. In reality, like, I don't know what they should be thinking because two people made a career off of one guy's video game in a way that not only created a, like, I don't know, like a self-sufficient community of constantly feeding the machine, but then also pushing it to such heights that it is, like you mentioned, Dustin, merchandised into the ground. I mean, for fuck's sake, that's, we didn't mention it. You know how much merchandise existed before this movie? You know how much merchandise is going to exist now? (laughs) Like, the amount of stuff that's going to have to come out now, just based on how successful this movie has been, they're going to have to catch up. It's like what happened with Baby Yoda. Like, we're going to see Five Nights at Freddy's stuff just being pumped out for the next six to eight months. I'm I'm ready for the Lego set. I'm ready for the Lego set. (laughs) I'm ready for more Matt Lillard. Because let's let's talk about the Mm. movie specifically for a second. Yeah, let's Uh, get into it. Matt Lillard is, I mean, look, if Josh Hutcherson weren't so good in this movie, I would say Matt Lillard's the best part. But uh, I'm so glad to see, uh, as as Mike White of the projection booth put it so aptly to me, uh, instead of him taking the mask off of people, he is the one having the mask taken off of him. Uh, <laughs> because he is now, I mean, again, he was a villain in Scream, obviously, spoilers for a movie from the mid-90s, if that's a thing you somehow missed in your existence. Why did why you spoil me, Chris? No, I not, haven't seen it. Is that real? Yeah, I haven't seen it. There's so many things I haven't seen. Oh, that feels like a real thing that like, that does feel like a thing that like you should and would enjoy and should totally check out. Maybe it doesn't play the same way it used to, but he's great there, right? He's great there, but he's great here. And I just, I love Matt Lillard. He seems like a real genuine human being, but he is scary. He has a physical presence to him that, that again, you might not think it, given that this is the guy that plays Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, but when he wants to be menacing, he can turn it on. And he turns it on at the end of this movie. And you know what? I I enjoyed it immensely. He has an unhinged energy to him. He does. He And I like that. He, he needs more of that. Yeah, I wish he had more to do in this movie. But given how he was presented in the story, how could he? Right. Uh, but... I, but only because I thought I thought he was the best performance in the movie. Even more personally. than the Hutcher? Yeah. The Hutcher. Uh, I mean, I, I think for me... Yeah, Hutcher plays the same character in every movie he's in. Damn. That's <laughs> a hot take. That's fair. And you know what? I mean, I made the joke like eternal teenager Josh Hutcherson because he does... He does. He has a he has a childlike youthness to him that no amount of facial hair can change, except for maybe if he had like a, a great big bushy beard. I um, mean, I would argue that the lawyer is the best performance. <laughs> oh yeah, he's number two in my book. Yeah, um, but for me, I mean, look, I went into this knowing. I only say Josh Hutcherson because I already knew that Matthew Lillard, Matthew Lillard is a fantastic actor, right? Like I've seen him in other things. Like I have never 
at any point been like Josh Hutcherson. Now that's a guy whose stuff I'll watch because for the most part, I mean, he's been kind of typecast and stuck in his own kind of hell of things in a way that I would uh, probably, you know, you could say compare it to like a Taylor Lautner. Like you're Mm -hmm. known for that thing that what like Josh Hutcherson has since 2015, since Mockingjay Part 2, he's been in. This is the ninth thing that he's been in since 2015. That's seven years. No, excuse me. Eight years. That's a long time as an actor to have only worked on eight or nine things. I mean, especially Mm -hmm. someone like Josh Hutcherson, who came off of Mockingjay Part 2. And like, you're the main character in that movie, like one of the two main characters. So I don't know. Like, it's weird because I never considered Josh Hutcherson anything other than that guy from Hunger Games, a movie series I only saw one of the movies of. And then I saw Journey to the Mysterious Island, uh, which he's also in with The Rock. But I, I never gave him much thought as an actor. But after this movie, I was like, you know, what? I'm I'm excited to see more Josh Hutcherson stuff. He's an intriguing actor. He has a weird he has weird energy. Like he he plays kind of harried really well, just like a guy like constantly trying to push his way up out of things. He plays that really well in this movie. And I'd be curious to see if that's just a thing he's doing well in this movie or if that's like a reoccurring trait of characters that he plays is just kind of playing. Not downtrodden, but definitely like against the odds of his situation. If you've ever seen Future Man, it's a series that he's in. It's basically the same character as this. Like the the in in this movie, he's got a little bit more of a, especially when dealing with those ghost kids in his dream. He's got more, a little bit more dramatic thing going on. But it's the same. It's the same guy. Interesting. I I wonder. I wonder if that was kind of the motivating factor. I mean, one of the things that they saw and were like, this is the guy. Like this, I mean, that's Could the have thing. been, yeah. Like, this movie's been in development for, I mean, what, 2015, I'm pretty sure. They, Universal or it, Warner. It was Warner, in development hell. Right, yeah. I mean, it 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 changed hands. Some, I, I forget, I believe. It was canceled. It was, it was picked back. To, it was yeah. like picked back up. Uh, Warner was, Brothers bought the rights in 2015, April of 2015. FNAF had been out for less than a year. They bought the rights and then they spent so long getting it to do anything that it eventually Universal was like, all right, we'll do it. And then they went to Bloomhouse. Mike White of the projection booth, he actually uh, is friends with Gil Keenan, who was supposed to direct the this movie initially, the craziest person, I think. And the person I would have loved to have seen their version of the movie, because in a weird way, it's like it kind of makes sense because of the other things that he's worked on. I would love to have seen what Chris Columbus's version of this movie would have been because I personally find the first two Harry Potter movies to be the best ones because they have this weird sense of wonder and fun that the other ones kind of ignore for a number of reasons, namely because all of a sudden the movies get a lot more serious and a lot less fun. But I would have loved to have seen someone like Chris Columbus who did Home Alone and Home Alone 2 and Mrs. Doubtfire and all these kind of whimsical movies kind of giving his whimsy a harder edge and giving it kind of like a nastier, more adult edge with, I mean, he kind of did it with Pixels, but that movie. Too bad they couldn't have got Zack Snyder, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad there weren't explosions (laughs) inside of the pizzeria. And and (laughs) slow-mo. 
Freddie Fazbear biting someone's head off in slow motion. I mean, um, they they could have done an explosion. Enough things were set on fire in the game. That's true. That's true. But the, I mean, again, like it, it's kind of sat and like you mentioned, Emma, it's been in development hell for over almost a decade now. Like on top of everything else, I'm surprised that this movie came out and was good. Like in, in a lot of ways, like there have been movies that have taken less time in between when it was announced and when it comes out. And those movies are terrible. I mean, look at how many sequels to movies from the 80s and 90s we've seen now that have taken 20 and 30 years and they're bad. Like 10 years is a long time in terms of getting something from start to finish. And the fact that this is a, a, a hangs together as well as it does, I think is surprising. I will say, like you mentioned, Dustin, I think Scott Cawthon really needs to be given a lot of credit for sticking to what he wanted and standing his ground and going, I want to have a story that I want representative of the thing I've created on screen to the point where I'm going to put my, it's not going to just be based on the characters or based on Five Nights at Freddy's by Scott Cawthon. My name is on the story by, my name is on the screenplay. And Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of the success of the lore stuff and keeping to the lore and keeping to what the fans are expecting comes from Scott Cawthon. I mean, the other stuff comes from Seth Cuddeback and Emma Tammy, but they're all in the room together working on the script. They're all kicking ideas around. And for what we end up seeing on screen, it's shockingly successful for a movie that's been in production for nine years and has had three different directors attached to it, including two of them who, one of which, again, directed Harry Potter 1 and 2 and plenty of other things. And the other one, Gil Keenan, now is directing the second uh, Ghostbusters sequel, uh, uh, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. And he wrote that movie as well. So like, if he had directed it, it who knows what it might have looked like, but it, it could have been its own weird thing that might have been just as successful or not. I just, I'm surprised at how good this movie is given how long it's been in production because that is a determinant sometimes of the possible quality of the movie just suffering because nine years, sometimes that's a death sentence in a way. I have two plot gripes though. Oh, hit me. What are we, first what are we one, at? First one. Yeah. Uh, Hutcher's character, Mike, gets this new job and, and like he has to get a job, right? You can't screw this up. He's watching his little sister. He's got to provide for. He's trying to make sure he has a job because he's fighting his evil aunt for custody. Uh, so there's a lot riding on this job, right? Mm-hmm. First thing he does when he gets there, takes sleeping pills and not and conks out. Who does that on job day one? I, somebody, I know I know what his motivation is. Somebody who's very depressed and obsessed. But he's got all this stuff riding on this job. Day one on the job goes to sleep. I think <laughs> and every was, night I mean, after. he was sort of told that it wasn't going to be a difficult job. Still, but to be fair, like I like mean, he I, owns the place. Yeah. I, I will say I, I get will, it. I, I'm curious what your other one is, Dustin, before I give my kind of biggest gripe what's your other what's your other gripe how they portrayed nebraska (laughs) (laughs) i was wondering if that was going to be first of all Uh the the poster Uh has these huge tall tree forest look thing on the poster not nebraska second of all (laughs) all 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 they really focus on about his time in nebraska is his brother getting abducted that i mean that happens everywhere (laughs) why nebraska why, why did they pick Nebraska? Do they think it's some remote backwoods country? No, it's not. They could have used Florida or something like that. They, wow. They could have huh? gone Dustin? camping in Florida. <laughs> right. Everybody knows. Shots that. fired at Florida. <laughs> right. 
I, I will say in keeping in line with the the first gripe of like, well, this is his first job, like, well, not, like and, you know, like he needs to take it seriously and all that. The idea that the aunt, who is clearly well off, needs Josh Hutcherson's sister for the money that she gets. That, yeah, it's yeah, like you were talking about when you're watching it. It makes zero actual fucking sense because this woman shows up everywhere other than to get murdered with her lawyer, who one would assume the way she's portrayed that she has money and she is paying this attorney to be there or something. So why would she need $300 additional a month? Like it, it was the most late. It was not the most lazy, but it's a lazy, bizarre justification when you don't really need anything like it could just be he doesn't seem to be a very good, uh, you know, I guess, steward of his sister. OK, well, so what? Like, I, I don't know. Like, that could have been enough is my point. Like, CPS. Sure. It could have just been like, it, I don't think that it's a safe household because you're unable to pr- provide. Why does it need to be any more than that? Like, you you kind of went out of your way to explain it. And in explaining it, it sounds like you don't understand at all. Like. But I think that might have been the point because they never confirmed that was her motive. That that's, was just what he assumed her motive to fair, be. But that is what the movie is ultimately still telling us. Like, you know, I am okay. telling us that, you know what I mean? Like the writers wrote that line. So I always assume and unless the movie says otherwise, that it's slyly informing us that that is their intent, even if they don't. I want to it. believe in me too. in in hand in headcanon fashion. If I were to come up with my own plot hole filling explanation, I'm wondering if it has much more to do with the fact that being uh, his uh, being their aunt. Right. Uh, and both of their parents being dead. It's well assumed that she probably is mourning the loss of, I don't know if it was, you know, her brother or her sister could have been the mom or the dad. And perhaps she wants to reconnect with her family. And she knows that she can't adopt uh, Hutcherson because he's an adult. And so he she wants to adopt Abby to be closer to the family. And she's just really, I'm just saying, I... The character in the movie ain't portrayed that way is all I'm no, saying. No, not at all. That's why I'm saying this is absolutely headcanon. I am I am jumping so many conclusions. I'm just saying. I think that there could have been something along the lines of that, that maybe she's just, yeah, she is a horrible person and she has bad, you know, uh, ways to go about potentially decent intentions. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. But it could be that she is genuinely concerned for Abby and it's just not touched on in a way because we needed a villain, you know, that wasn't uh, that wasn't a child murderer. We needed the other villain. Right. I I mean, I I will say I think you didn't need another villain, but we needed the other villain. Right. Right. Or the other villains, because, again, the I think the smarter thing that they did, you know, ignoring the Mary Stuart Masterson character in terms of the villains in the movie. I think what was really smart was they gave the animatronics a level of ambiguity. Like, are yes. they are they violent? Are they not? What are they doing? Why are they doing what they're doing? Well, they kind of answer it at the end of the movie, sort of. I mean, they, it's a little higgledy-piggledy with, oh, they, they don't know that he murdered them. Yeah, that's also way different from the games. It, uh, the way that he has, like, control over them it makes is no never, sense. never happens. The whole thing with the drawings has nothing to do with the games. 
That felt really lazy. I mean, I'm mainly saying that for Dustin's sake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's lazy and sloppy in the movie. I did movie. wonder that. Yeah, it's it if if it feels lazy and sloppy in the movie, it's because it is lazy and sloppy, and it makes I don't know. It's a very convenient plot contrivance, and also, oh by yeah. the way, it had to be on the board for them to see it. Yeah, just right. Drawing, it wasn't enough. Like, yeah, it was a little silly. Yeah, and and that's the thing. I mean, I appreciate that they humanize the animatronics. They give the animatronics a level of ambiguity that is needed because, again, we're supposed to at times fear them, but also find them immensely cute and fun. That all being said, yeah, there's some stuff that just like the conclusion of the movie has happened in the game, this Mm -hmm. scene that we're seeing. And I think it works better in the game. I think the idea of William Afton getting in the suit and the suit just going haywire because they're a fucking trashy suit that wasn't necessarily made to withstand the test of time. Because that's the other thing we're led to believe and obviously understand that there has been a passage of time since Mike's brother has gone, which means these suits are old. They're not brand new. So, right. And they've already shown us that there's spring lock suits in the movie. Like, why introduce this deus ex machina of, well, the pictures on the wall are how he's controlling. It's like, no, 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 no. We don't need any of that because... There's no need to explain. There's no need to further recontextualize why these things are taking place. S- let's just leave that for a second movie so you can spend the next year and a half finding a better answer. Because here's the thing. I genuinely believe that's going to be one of the things they retcon in the n- next movie because it's just too dumb to be continued into anything else. Yeah, I would agree with that. If they are to retcon anything from the movie, it's probably going to be that because the thing... Yeah, the thing with the drawings was was pretty, pretty weak. And the idea that that somehow he has to be controlling them. It can't just be they're killing people that come into their space because they're protecting their space because that's the only space that they have because they're like ultimately somewhat like animals. Because, again, that again, that that could just be part of the ambiguity of the characters is they're just fighting back against a threat that they do or don't necessarily understand. And then they understand because they see their friends being threatened, people that they've come to like by this other thing. Why do you need any other explanation other than they were seeing them, their friends being threatened by by Matt Lillard's character? It just seems like a lot of hoops to jump through to get to a conclusion that's right there smacking you in the face. But again, yeah. out, outside of that, like I think I actually found the conclusion in the third act of the movie to be a lot of fun and getting yeah. and like you like you mentioned, Dustin, getting Matt Lillard on screen in that suit and then with the you know kind of the voice that is being run through some sort of kind of i don't know like distortion but then he takes the mask off and it's just matt lillard and then he puts the mask back on and we get this kind of distortion of the voice like i i enjoyed the end of the movie so much that i hope the next movie is a prequel movie and we just I, get to I see more matt lillard want to ask stuff. about that I wanted to know what you guys thought would come next, because obviously something is going to come next. And that was my thought, too, is that they're probably going to do a prequel. Matt Lillard signed on for three movies. So, uh, I mean, again, that doesn't doesn't mean anything. But yeah, they're going to I think they're going to introduce where, you know, where Henry fits into all of this, because that is absolutely missing from you know, from the plot overall. And like and it but the thing is, is that it makes sense as to why why you know why was uh garrett was that his name the the younger brother why was he kidnapped why him and then why when uh william is is giving uh you know michael the job and like he 
realizes his last name and all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's you. Like, why them? Why them? And the only thing that makes sense to me is a vendetta against Henry and lashing out against Henry's family. That is the only thing that makes sense to me because the other ones he kills indiscriminately for the sake of remnant i'm not going to get into that with dustin i feel bad <laughs> we're just yeah emma there's a lot that just needs to be left unsaid because it's I'm like just not a lot of just long. bullshit uh, to wave uh, well you well you see when yes. a when glitch trap and spring trap have a bay <laughs> um can i just point out something though and again i i think for me this is my thoughts on on the the lore and stuff I don't think they need to have any sort of connection to why Josh Hutcherson's character, his brother, was taken. I think you could just have it be William Afton as the villain and and have him come but back. But it was in Nebraska. I they don't live in Nebraska. He went all the way to Nebraska and then abducted a... Ch- why? Why them? This I mean, is based in Utah, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the book canon or in the book slash video game canon, yeah. How um, far is how far is Utah from you guys? Like a few states, like two or three like, states over. Was he just? Oh, I just happened to be in the area. I like, mean, I mean that that's the question, wrong right? Place, like wrong time. Well, that's the thing, Sorry, Gary. right? Like, but uh, that's it. Could just be that, or there could be this retcon that but could knowing, be a retcon. Yeah, I would say knowing Scott, I just don't want it to be a retcon because the Henry Emily character is a is a character that exists in the book and video game to explain something that could be explained by one character. I'm just saying. Could it Could it not, though? If you're not making him his son, could that character not just be his own character then? And him being his own character is therefore a stand-in for the other other character in the series. Because that's the thing. In the series, Michael Afton is the protagonist then becomes, then gets his body scooped out and a robot put yeah, in. Yeah, and then sleep. his body Take suit dies and he turns purple, but then because he Because he becomes a zombie. It's, and he walks around town and then he's fired because he stinks. It's nuts. This is all true, Dustin. Yeah, I want this you to know that I didn't make it this is, Yeah, this is like, again, a level of insanity. Fired that, for odor. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> all I'm- Had that, that new movie stink. Yeah. stay. <laughs> All I'm saying is by by removing the Josh Hutcherson character from being related to our villain and turning a different character into the character who's related to the villain, I don't think we need to have a secondary creator character. You just have your villain as I William just... Afton and Springtrap. And everybody loves Springtrap and Springtrap's not in the video games enough. And so now we're going to get Springtrap out the fucking wazoo because it's a serial killer in a bunny suit. And you know who hasn't seen that? Me. You know why? Because he's not in the video games enough and no movies have done it in terms of what this is. And I am imminently interested in a serial killer. Serial killers. Okay. So we'll let but the other cat out of it. serial killers need motive unless if they're just straight up, you know, psychopaths. The motive could just be as a psychopath. What's scarier than that? But then why go through all the trouble of but animatronic? You're adding, uh, because why not? Because he's a fucking, because that's how you bring the kids in. You but have to bring kids to your place by animatronics. I feel like if you just wanted to kill kids, I feel like there's an easier way. Wow. Like, Would you like to inform us of that easier way, Emma? Uh, not creating an entire franchise that is Chuck E. Cheese adjacent, designing characters and then stuffing children into the cost. Like this is, it's a whole fucking thing. But to be fair, within the lore itself, the 
reason why William Afton kills Henry Emily's children is tenuous. Child. Child is tenuous at best and is rarely, if at all, completely explained on its own, right? Yes and no. They just, oh, well, he was drunk or he was angry because his son died to the animatronics. Like, okay, fine, but I don't know. I just... I there see this as an opportunity to streamline that. the I see this as an opportunity to streamline the lore and one okay. of the things one of the things that can be streamlined out is a secondary creator. You don't have to have the guy who made one animatronics and the guy who made other animatronics. You could just be one. I just want them to retcon the fact that his last name is Emily because that doesn't exist. <laughs> Nobody's last name is Emily. That was really bothering me when I was like redoing my research. I was like, Henry Schmidt, and like nothing would come up. And I was so lost. And so I had to like look up Henry Emily Schmidt FNAF and then I found it. Like it was. I, yeah, I'm, I understand Henry where you're coming Emily. from. What a great name. But I, iconic, I, truly. I genuinely feel like the lore moving forward is going to be, like we've already said, it's going to be reflective of the source material, but not necessarily in the way that we or the fans, the hyper fans expect, which I think, like we've kind of mentioned, and and I think we would all agree in terms of the things that we're fans of that maybe have been adapted. I'm not sure I'd want to go see a Thor movie that just shows me what I've seen in the comic book and nothing else. Just like I'm not sure I want to go see a Five that's Nights fair. at Freddy's movie that's just going to be the game. Because if that's the case, I there is more FNAF stuff that is not movie related than is movie related right now. And that may at some point be the case. It may swing in the other direction. But right now, like it's if you're not a fan of the movie, you've got so much stuff to go watch. Like you, you're you're not hard up for FNAF content. So my point being, like, I think the next movie should be even more of a subversion of what the expectations are, because past the first game slash movie like Dustin kind of mentioned with the 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 beast growing too many heads and you can't slay it at one point. Just think if they go, I'm because here's the thing, because Five Nights at Freddy's 2 is a prequel and they've said the next movie is more than likely going to be a sequel, not a prequel. So what is that? Really? They said that? I, I think so. I think that they I, I think that. that they've I think that they've said it. Maybe I'm mis, maybe I'm misspeaking, but um, I didn't see anything that said otherwise. Sure. I just want to believe it's going to be a prequel. Well, I mean, but again, like in in my mind, the next movie probably, if anything, will have flashbacks to something okay. else, something else, right? And, but like again, like this is an opportunity, like Dustin mentioned, to fix a problem that is you can no longer control the thing you've created. And I genuinely think that that is what has happened, regardless of who Scott Cawthon donates to politically, and people have a problem with that. Like, and him taking a step back and no longer being in control of the lore. I think he's in control of this. And this is an opportunity to do right by the fans and correct some of the things that maybe didn't hang together so well or didn't didn't have a a a, a, a worthwhile explanation for a majority of the people who are engaged with the media. Listen, if they can continue to pull off subverting expectations things that go against the lore in a way that is satisfying and not frustrating i am all here for it absolutely because like as confused as i was at first you know adjusting to the new familial structure because that was really the big change more than anything else that really stands out 
like, yeah, they streamlined a ton of shit. But like in terms of like what was the big difference that stood out, it was absolutely, you know, the family structure. The fact that Michael is not, you know, William's son was like huge. And it took me a second to like catch up to that reality. But like once I did and I adjusted, I was like, this is fine. This makes sense for this world. Why not? If they're able to continue that trend in a way that doesn't feel forced or frustrating, I'm all for it. My my thought is that it would be satisfying for me to see why Garrett and Michael specifically, like why them, why that family. And they already showed potentially, if this is to be confirmed, that, you know, the father in the dream sequence was also shown to be working on the animatronics in the videotape. And if they were going out of their way to like have that as like a hidden Easter egg, did you catch this? I feel like they might want to do more with that, like they're teasing it. And I'd be a little disappointed if they didn't dive into that, unless if they came up with something significantly more satisfying, which in that case, I will be fine with. Can I point out, though, that if Josh Hutcherson's character's dad was the character from the, the video games the way he was, how would he have not heard of Five Nights of, of, of Freddy Fazbear's Pat Pizzeria, right? That's a good point. That's, I mean, that's so, the only thing I can think of. He kept when, it secret. When he goes to see Steve Raglan in the career placement office, mm-hmm. uh, he reads his name and stops before he says the last name. Right. So that that told me he knew who he like he knew right that and family he, name and at the very end he did say like I killed your brother I could kill you and like that was never spoken unless like I mean I guess Garrett could have said I have an older brother named Michael and this is our last Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy Judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Name. Michael Schmidt's know. gonna come save me. Michael Schmidt is my brother. Like, <laughs> I guess. I guess. But it seemed like such a personal thing. Because that's the only other way that I could explain his reaction to seeing, you know, Michael and that last name put together. Is that, I guess, Garrett informed him of the fact that he has a brother. Which, I guess, is fine. Like, I don't I don't mind that, but I feel like it would be so much more satisfying if he if in that moment, William was putting two and two together of like, oh, you're this person's son. But I wait a second. Plant, plants a seed for the prequel. Right. But, but wait a second here. Hold on. But wait a second. If a but child goes missing, yes. there there are ways that people are informed about a child going missing, including parents being on the news, pleading for the child to be returned. Are we to believe that in this universe that didn't happen, which would mean they're on the news, which means Matt Lillard would have seen it? I mean, that's not a Nebraska. thing. Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, not Nebraska. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa now. I mean, that's he's not- gonna He's going to go back to Utah. He's not going to see that shit. You know that that's not going to go national. All I'm saying not is- Not at that time. It's a, a small white child. It is not, definitely- ki- not kids from Nebraska. Right. 
It is a small white child. There is a 0% chance it doesn't go national. How do I know? Because I live in the universe that we live in now where that happens all the time. I don't know. I, I'm I just saying they have it so that I don't see it on the news. So all I'm saying is they have an out, a logical yeah, out, sure. right? And again, I would be more excited if they did something different because I already kind of know what those beats are going to be. You're yeah, hyper fixated too close to the sun. I just wanted to know what I was missing out on for the last 10 years with all this five nights at Freddy's. Did you I enjoy was... the the William personal hell game? Oh, yeah. FNAF World. Thank you. Oh, the, my God. the custom night. Oh, ultimate custom night. I, yeah, so, here's yeah. the, so here's the funny thing. I've actually tried playing some five nights at Freddy's. Um, I know you had a uh, sister location. I have them all on my download. phone. You have them on your phone? Yeah, you can get them all on your phone for varying prices between $7 to like $2. Uh, it's the cheapest uh, way to play say, Five Nights at Freddy's. Usually you say the, the lower number first. Usually, but I'm unusual. Uh, I was like cheapest, seven and what, 20? And you're like the, seven and two. <laughs> the cheapest way to get Five Nights at Freddy's is on your phone. I and, didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, and I will say I... I understand the appeal. Uh, I'm not the kind of person who would play that kind of game anyway, so it is kind of lost on me. I am a huge fan of the designs of the characters, the mm -hmm. character quirks and personalities. I like some of the weirder characters. I think that any series with a breadth of characters that, you know, a dirge of characters the way this one does with versions of the characters and then subversions and then knockoff versions and a really yeah. the the mediocre melodies characters are probably my favorites because those are yeah. sufficiently strange. All you I'm like saying the hippo, don't you? I do like the hippo and I do I like know. Orville the elephant as well. I actually don't think Five Nights at Freddy's as a game is for me. Like I've played it enough and I don't think I I would and do understand why you would watch someone play it, but yes. would have no interest in playing it yourself. Yeah, that's me. It's, absolutely. It's not much of a it's not much of a game to play. If I played it, you guys would probably have a fun time watching me play oh, it for a number yes. of reasons. But for me playing it, it was like, OK, so the 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 gameplay loop is look left, look right, look at the cameras. Look left, look right, look at the cameras, look left. Shut the door, right, turn off the, the power. That's it. It's like, I mean, I under, I mean, there's something to be said for simplicity, but there is also something to be said for acknowledging that this is not much of a game and it is really just a jump scare simulator, which I again, you would like security breach a lot. Sure, but that's a game. Now, yes, it's security a breach it's a I game. Think is one of the game. first that's like game game. Yeah. yeah. Have they ventured into VR? Yeah. yeah. They have. Yeah. I, I could see that. Even if is it's just left, left, right. That's help want. That's that is the game where they introduce the idea that all of the other games in the series are in in universe games, not actually things that are ha we're seeing happen. We're just watching someone else interpret something they think happened as a video game. That's what I, the VR. I, game does. I think in VR, this concept like this is much scarier. I, I think it works better. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it totally does. I mean, mo I think most horror things are when it's a more immersive experience. Yeah, but absolutely. this is like fucking pit. Like what? I, I think to Dustin's point, like this thing specifically as pared down as it is in the original form. Like I have been tempted to get the VR thing because I'm interested what that would be like. But I really don't like what the gameplay loop of Five mm -hmm. Nights at Freddy's is. It is not fun for me personally, I find it to just be kind of, da, 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 da. yeah, 
Yeah. And I'm I with you, that. Dustin. It is the VR version seems way more engaging I compared just to like click, 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 click. Well, I get that too. I also wear glasses and not contacts. I get that. And too. apparently it's not close enough to your eyes for it to not be blurry. That's right. So that's right. You know, honestly, kind of ableist. I mean, I mean, you can get um, you can get, <laughs> you, can get you can get lenses to stick inside of your VR that are prescription. That's a thing. That sounds. They're not super expensive. So either. unnecessary. They're not really? super. I mean, they're sure? not. Yeah, they're not super expensive. I looked into it. It's not. It's not like it's two How lenses much? that you just. It's, it's like 50, 60 bucks, maybe. If oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, I may be wrong, but like they're just two little lenses you stick inside of your. Because glasses are usually like four hundred plus dollars. Right. Right. But it's just the, it's just the lens. I and guess. again, like you just have to. I mean, look. Huh. Ultimately, ultimately, I think the thing ultimate that we have, custom night. Right. The thing we haven't mentioned in terms of the movie. Yes. How cool are those animatronics that they made? Oh, they're awesome. Right. I love them. I really do. They look so authentically robotic, and yet they're not, except for uh, Foxy. Foxy is the only like full animatronic uh, that can hide a body in there if they wanted to. I, I, I'm really impressed. I mean, they're obviously done by the Henson Studios. So, you know, again, you have the right people making the right decisions, but they look like the video game almost to a fault like it, and it's not uncanny and the the movements like it's the way that it's puppeted it works really well are you're saying that it's that it is uncanny yeah, i mean but i think that's the intention is to, for it to be unsettling and so it's kind of human well, adjacent I mean, it's, it's it's uncanny in the way that you would expect an animatronic to be but it's not uncanny in like the comparing from the video game to the movie is more so what I mean. That's like fair. animatronics in and of themselves are uncanny to an extent. I think I'm just very desensitized because I've seen these things for like a decade. That's fair. Um, my my favorite thing, I would say while watching other people play the games, I it's really easy to forget during gameplay that these are being possessed by children. It's so mm. easy to forget that because they don't act like children. During like in the gameplay, like during like the scary, monotonous gameplay type stuff, I completely forget that they're supposed to be ghost children completely. And even though at first I was a little weirded out with like how, you know, like, oh, let's build a fort. And I was like, you know what? It actually does make sense in a way that the games don't. And I liked that. It took me a second. Again, it's like one of those things I have to adjust to. But like once I did, I was like, you know what? This is fine. I I prefer it. Because it makes sense because they are children. In the games, it's so easy to say they're possessed animatronics. But like in the movie, you're like, these are possessed animatronics by children. And I think that's the difference. Because the only time you really think about them being children is when you're watching cutscenes of like Crying Child and, you know, the little the little kid sprites in, in the... Like, that's like the only times that you really think about it being kids. Otherwise... I think that's like the last thing on your mind. Well, and that is the other thing. Again, like I mentioned, the idea that like they're humanizing these characters. I mean, I, you know, a show that came out earlier this year, The Last of Us, like so much of that video game is action based and it's like shooting and killing zombies and or whatever the hell they're called. And walkers. I, like, walk clickers, whatever the hell. Right. So the, the question right, that everybody no, no, walkers is the other one. The, the question that everybody always had was like, what are you going to do if you make a show? Are you just going to have it be? Pedro Pascal killing clickers for an hour. And there's very little of that in the show because there's so much of it in the game. And 
What's interesting is in this in the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, there's so little scary stuff because it's all about, again, informing us as to who these characters are. And again, like you said, really reinforcing that these are kids in animatronic suits. And yeah, the idea that they're making like a, a pillow fort, essentially a pillow fort, but with tables and chairs. It's like, these are not the characters from the game. But again, they could have been, I guess, theoretically. Yeah. Like, it's such a tonally different thing that that's why i said like i kind of want them to just keep doing their own thing and ignoring whatever else came before because whatever they're driving at here and whatever this is supposed to be is again it's like a better version of the fnaf lore because it is it makes sense in a way that the other it makes sense right out of the gate in a way that the the video game has been trying to make sense for the last decade because mm-hmm. They, I mean, yes, I don't think Scott Cawthon was expecting. I think if you told him when he came up with Five Nights at Freddy's, oh, by the, when he launched the fucking Kickstarter. You're going to become a multimillionaire. He'd be like, no way. Not a shit chance in hell am I going to have a movie based off of my property making almost or probably by the time you hear this over three hundred million dollars. Like, No way. But yet Scott Cawthon's net worth is a lot. But at the same time, like that's the magic of something like this. You found your audience, your audience found you through whatever means necessary, and now we have an immensely successful movie. Backwards was a 70 million. I don't know if it's backwards for you. I mean, I me. believe I believe it. That but it that's my estimated. But, but yes. that's my point. Like it's just is isn't it great that we live in a world where a video game about a animatronic bear suit stuffing you into another suit can become a multi-million dollar franchise that now has a movie that will probably be more culturally relevant for the next five to 10 years than it was in the last five to 10 years. And And I think I I don't know what that means for the franchise either. Like now that it has so much visibility in the mainstream, I mean, like I mentioned, there's undoubtedly going to be more things, merchandise, TV shows, other things. And I would not blame them for doing any of it because this is a thing that exists outside of Marvel and Star Wars and Disney. It's its own fucking thing. And in this day, what the fuck? I mean, hard pass. I would watch I, a, a Disney version of Five Nights at Freddy's if it were like the animatronics at Pirates of the Caribbean killing people. Oh, I would watch it if it was like the original like 2D animation style. Of what? Yeah, that'd be cool, actually. Or like Disney 2D. Wasn't like, that bendy? No, I don't mean. I, no, no, no. I don't mean like Steamboat Willie. I'm talking about like Beauty and the Beast, like Disney. Rentals. Oh, oh, oh! I like how you're like. Wait a second. I was like, what did you? No, that game is obviously it is not two D. Steamboat Willie. Yeah. Well, I guess. Oh, it's, yeah, it's that. You a, meant the. You meant the character. Yes. Anyway, yeah. I think something. I because I mentioned earlier how this bridges the gap between like niche culture and mainstream culture. And I think some people might hear that and go, well, the Pokemon movie was really successful and people really liked the Mario movie. And it's like, yes, those are multi-billion dollars. Like Nintendo was fucking huge. Nintendo is not niche. Nintendo became extremely popularized over the last 20 years, like probably more. It it wasn't like Nintendo probably, you know, it started as a niche when it was probably, you know, just in Japan doing its own thing. And then it obviously became 
a worldwide phenomenon and it only grew and like Pokemon Go in and of itself, like all of it, 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 it is main, like Nintendo is mainstream. This is indie. This was started by like a dude in his like in his house at his computer. Like that is the cool part for me. When I say like it's bridging the gap, I mean, it's bridging the gap from like indie small projects and bringing that into the limelight that it deserves. Rather than like, and don't get me wrong, like Pokemon movie was fun. The Mario movie was fun. And like, I hope we do see more of that. But I think that this is filling a different niche that those did not. Yes, they are, you know, movies that are able to say like, hey, you know, we're video games too. And like, that's fun and all. But like, this is, you know, some, you know, an an indie video game that you had to download from like the bowels of Steam. Like you had to hunt this thing down. It wasn't advertised. It was put on Steam so long ago that it was part of the Steam creator program when you had to pay money to put your game on Steam. <laughs> like that's that's the that's the universe that this came out in was a universe where Steam wasn't really even the indie game platform at the time. Right. Like, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it is very crazy to see how far it's come. But in a lot of ways, it reminds me of like teenage. I mean, again, to speak of something with giant animatronic suits, kind of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those weren't a thing until no, one day, uh, but uh, they weren't a thing until they were. And and now it's like you can't escape it. And the movie and the cartoons were put what put it over the top, because at one point, like we all know, Teenage Ninja Turtles was just a comic book made for adults. So on top of everything else, it was a comic book made for adults that got super popular with kids because it was a kid's cartoon. Because they realized the value of turning something for adults into kids. Can they do that with Five Nights at Freddy's? I don't think that they have to. I think it's a different equation. It's already done. Well, I think they have to figure out a way to balance this for kids, but still allowing the adults to have a good time. I think this movie did a good job. I don't know beyond this if it will, because the source material kind of has always struggled with maintaining that balance. But again, there's a lot more time, effort, and money. and creative heads collectively being put into making a movie then like you mentioned just one guy trying to keep up with the whims of the community the creators in the community who are creating theory videos because like you said dustin can't overlook the fact that there were definitely people who by creating the theories involved themselves un un unironically in the creation of the fucking lore itself because again if you don't have a direction to go and someone else is saying well that seems like the direction you're going well, I guess I guess it was the direction I was going. You're right. Oh yeah, you got to bullshit it. I meant that from the beginning. Tommy oh, Wiseau you figured it out. Tommy Wiseau said that uh, the room was meant to be a comedy all along. Wink, wink. <laughs> right? It's like we get it, dude. Like if you can pivot, pivot, whatever. Yeah, but sure. Don't, don't try to convince me that that was the case. So I don't know. Like in my mind, like this is the first in a long line of Five Nights at Freddy's things we're going to be seeing from here until probably 2030 at least. So I don't know. I'm excited. I I think this is a good first entry. Is it perfect? No. Is it kind of exactly what I wanted it to be in a lot of ways? Yeah. It's dumb fun. I laughed more than I was scared. And I would watch Freddy Fazbear bite somebody else in half. Oh, yeah. 10 out of 10. Needs more blood. I would I would accept more blood. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see I, the R-rated version of this movie so badly. I want to like, see Springtrap on the ground just in a pool of his own blood. That's what I want to see. So 
That was the thing I wanted to mention, Dustin, to you. So that just to give you an idea of how fucking bananas this can get. So at the end of this movie, to to address the kind of the hanging chads of the. So I'm William sorry, Afton, the what? The hanging chads. OK, I'm, I'll let you. I know. <laughs> Dustin. That is not an Dustin, can we for once go? You don't know what we're talking about? Got her. Got her. Uh, here, continue. I'm Googling. <laughs> um, so at the end of the movie, William Afton is sawed. And by that, I mean he's left in a room to rot by the animatronics, the way that Lee Wanell at the end of Saw is left to rot by Jigsaw. And, uh, you know, that's where the story's left with Spring. However, in the video game, I don't know if they're going to go here in the movie, but I figure to inform you of how crazy this gets, in the video game, William Afton, his body stays within the suit. Mm -hmm. However, his soul possesses the suit the same mm -hmm. way the souls were possessing the other suits. Mm -hmm. And 20, 30 years in the future, yep. his body is found in the back room by people who are opening a haunted attraction called Fazbear Frights. And they introduce by accident a real haunted animatronic into their fake haunted attraction. That is where this story goes. However, I will continue. He was hibernating. And, he, and, and Emma, you can check me if I'm wrong. Michael Afton finds out about this, goes and burns down the attraction. However, yep. Springtrap survives and mm -hmm. comes back to the final location of Five Nights at Freddy's or Freddy Fazbear's, which is created solely to trap all of the possessed animatronics within it so that it could be burned down by the other guy in the lore who created the animatronics with William Aft. Yeah, checks out. Oh. Uh, but then he still doesn't actually die. He sort of dies. So they say that like Dude, the resilient. whole- the, He always yeah. comes back. He always comes back. That, that line that he that says line. in the movie is indicative of a character who in the video game literally continues to be the villain even when- He refuses when the, to die. The lore has moved past him as a villain and yet they continue bringing him. So basically- <laughs> They say that Remnant, which is in the most like fundamental way, uh, souls and the remnants of souls being able to possess things and kind of almost like a building block of life in and of itself. They call that in it. The, they call it Remnant. They say it attaches to metal. That doesn't matter. Point is, is that they say throughout the games that or at least like once they start introducing this concept that remnant can't survive high temperatures, which is why they keep wanting to set this shit on fire. Um, and so when they trap them all, they're hoping to finally release all the souls and everybody can move on. And every, most of them will go to heaven and at least one of them is going to go to hell. That's the idea. Uh, Ultimate custom night, which we mentioned earlier, when I said that that's his personal hell, uh, he, his consciousness, rather than going to, I guess, hell, hell, is taken to his own personal hell through the spite of one of the ghost children that he killed, basically saying, I'm going to make the I'm going to torture you for eternity. Like personal. I am your I am your Satan now. But here's the thing. He always comes back. A part of his consciousness latched on to some sort of like what was it? Like a fucking motherboard? And it's, now it, he's it, like it, it, it infected now, part of the circuitry of the machine with which his body was decaying inside <laughs> that, of. That, and then whatever that was. And then that circuitry is introduced into the new pizza plex that they're introducing and creating new animatronics <laughs> for. So the new animatronics at the new pizza plex that is meant to exist to bring people in 
to rehabilitate the Five Nights at Freddy's brand is now infected by accident by the character from those video games that exist in the universe. It's see what I mean? It's like fucking it's insane. So, you're so dusted. It works in it all. And we're still still above. And it gets better because there are books about the series that are about things in the series, but it's talking about the things in the series that the video games are inspired by. So you have to decipher whether or not it's talking about one of the characters you know, but with a different name. It's like I said, it's like three Jesus. levels. I know it's it. like I said, this is what happens when you work yourself into a corner. And then instead of just going, we don't know what to do. We need help. Just going up the wall instead. Like, yeah, gonna start you're, climbing you're just running up with the it. wall. Yeah. Um, See what I mean by they need to streamline this shit? <laughs> Which is why I'm so like I said, it's an easy watch. It is a departure from the main series and the fact that it absolutely simplifies and streamlines what we have come to know FNAF as, which is the lore, like everything about FNAF at this point. It is the lore. It is the like it's the lore more than anything else. And so this was a nice like call back to like the original vibes, like in a way that's still very easy to digest and was still entertaining. And that's why I think it was more than successful and absolutely deserves a watch. I don't know why you were listening to this and not watching it first if you haven't seen it, because you should have. Uh, but it absolutely- Emma just mommed the shit out of the entire audience. Go home you and should watch have. your <laughs> Take your daily dose of chica lore, motherfucker. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, Emma, final thoughts, but Dustin, I, I think uh, it's your yeah, turn now. It. I'm done. I'm checking <laughs> out. Green. <laughs> I echo that. I like the movie. It's I'd probably watch it again. Um, the whole time we've been doing this, I I've been trying to decide what I liked more. I think I liked Willie's Wonderland more, but I still like this one. That's fair. I haven't seen it, but I heard it's really funny. So yeah, I, that's fair. And and I've heard that sentiment as well. I mean, this has made me want to watch it. I've heard similar things where it's like I I this is fine, but Willie's Wonderland is is better and i'm sure some of that comes from not having to do the lord dance you know they just did whatever yeah. the fuck they wanted I'm right assuming. right which is like I bet which that's is fun but that's more fun frankly and it's got a little more horror it leans more horror right which i mean again that for me this is a i i, I echo both of you you guys like this is a watch this is something worth checking out i've seen it three four times now and it's fun. It's fun. It doesn't need to be more than that. Does the second movie need to be more than that? Yeah. The second movie does need to be more than fun. I think it needs to do a little bit more. It needs to bring a little bit more to the table because it needs if to it's, world build a little. Yeah. Or something. And this is a good starting place. I think this got enough people's asses in the seats, enough enough people through the door to, you know, uh, uh, continue a franchise in a substantive way. And I think Emma Tammy, if she wants to come back, she did a good job. This movie looks nice. It looks looks really well put together. It's it's a good looking movie. And I know that I've said before, well, that's not much of a compliment in 2023. That's just a theory. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think that this for me, uh, again, this is a good looking movie on top of being a fun movie to check out. And yeah, I uh, I would consider myself a fan of Five Nights at Freddy's now by by just sheer amount of time spent with the goddamn thing. Which uh, <laughs> I just, I want to inform our lovely audience that you, I don't think you had an actual strong opinion about it before. I think you were just making fun of it for the sake of making fun of it. But you did not have a positive opinion of it before seeing this movie. 
I, again, it's just like I, I, I always thought it was for kids and like it is for kids. But you know what? We could take fun in that. And like, and again, like you I, did a whole 180 on your perspective, like from I, the movie alone. I, and yes, I love but, that. But not really, though, because, again, like, I, I mean, I had the games on my phone before this. Like, I just never really played. it. I think the problem is the games were just. I had played the games when they came out and they were so not my bag and still not my bag that if all the games were going to be was just that over and over again, which ostensibly for the most part, they are still the thing of looking at the cameras and doing the doors or or some variation on that. That's just not something I want to do gaming wise. I okay. never got into the let's plays like that's the disconnect for me. If I really like sit and look at it is not the game. But it's the vehicle through which I could have enjoyed the game without playing it, which in 2014 was not something I really did. And I don't do now. I don't watch Twitch streamers. I have watched whole games played by people, but I'm watching it because I know that this has a certain amount of episodes and it will end. And it's more of a series, less a like I'm just playing to continue playing. And this is the thing that I do. So the disconnect came ultimately from that. And like we've mentioned, who was watching? if not preteens and teens. And I was 24. You know what I mean? Like mm. that, I, there is some of this that did just pass, pass yeah. me, pass me and pass, you know, pass Dustin and I by. And that's, like I said, you are really like the person who quote, grew up with Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, yeah, so. I was all into Let's Plays and horror content. I mean, I I loved watching s silly people on YouTube freak the fuck out probably more than they actually would have otherwise if they weren't performing. Right. And it was great. And I loved watching it with my friends and laughing, especially, I mean, like PewDiePie, Amnesia, Dark Descent. That was like the gateway. Uh, I cannot explain to you guys how much of a phenomenon that was and how many like inside jokes there. Like it was a whole thing. And then just being able to like see them play other games that were also popular and also like significantly viral and, you know, more inside jokes that built off of that. Like it was a really fun time to be like into YouTube and finding that like type of niche content because it has such an active fan base of like the players themselves and the games. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am more of a watcher than a player, uh, because I, it's a lot easier to pause a video than it is to put down a game. And it also takes a lot less effort to watch a video than to play a game, which is how I think most sports fans feel. I've got them. That's my, that's, that's, you know what? Same. Let's Big. all sit on our couch and watch other people do stuff. Fucking roast, uh, roasted. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I definitely you're, think you're right. you should watch uh, Security Breach, though, Chris. If you haven't seen clips of it yet, I want you don't have to. Necessarily I want to play watch. Security Breach because it's yeah. an actual video game. Do it again. That's my again. That's my point here. Like the the video game that is Five Nights at Freddy's ultimately is just a a movie to be watched. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's uh yeah, I, I have, I don't know, again, like 180 might be a little drastic. I, I definitely will say that I 180'd on the Marvel stuff pretty hard back in the day. I used to, to tear that stuff apart and I 180'd on that. But yeah, I mean, look, ultimately anything that is a 
quality video game adaptation in film form I'm going to be a fan of because for the longest time, video game movies were literally the worst thing that you could watch in terms of adaptations. And that's not the case anymore. Like you mentioned, Detective Pikachu, the Mario movie, which exists in spite of the fact that there was a Mario movie that was so bad, they vowed to never make another Mario movie again. But yet it took them 20 plus years and they did. So there you go. It's like everything eventually comes back around and even something like Chuck E. Cheese can become perverted in a way that now it has become more Five Nights at Freddy's is more popular than Chuck E. Cheese could ever hope to be. And they have made sure. more Chuck money. Chuck E. Cheese never got a movie. No, it sure didn't. And you know what? There you go. I think that that in and of itself is the transformative nature of art. We have someone creating something that is then more or less parodied and is turned into something imminently more successful than the thing that it was parroting or aping or however you inspired so gotta love it folks yeah no this was fun i'm 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 glad that we finally got here and it was kind of advantageous timing given that we had covered the walton files which i kind of want to go revisit now uh, yeah, yeah. Of, i kind of do because i, I want to see how much of it really is cribbed <laughs> five nights at freddy's bear but you know what that's the other thing like so much of the five nights at freddy's thing is like the community and like the community creating fan games yeah. And doing their own thing with other things that is like Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, that's another weird thing that you could do a whole show on, but we won't. So on that note, you can find Dustin, Emma, and I over at WeirdingWayMedia.com, where we do another show called Scary Stories We Tell, where we do Surreal Tube together, which is all about things like Five Nights at Freddy's on the internet. Surreal, weird, sometimes analog horror content. You can find all that at ScaryStoriesWeTell.com and at WeirdingWayMedia.com. Dot com. As for this show, culturecast.com, patreon.com slash culturecast, 10, 20, and 50. Those are the levels you can get in at if you want to support the show. But like, rate, and review it wherever you get it. That helps us find our audience. Dustin, Emma, thank you both so much for joining me. This is fun. And this is the first time we've done this together. This is a proper long episode. Oh, it sure was. Longer than the movie. We had a, we had a lot to Whoa. talk about. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with this. I, uh, I I hope anyone listening, we haven't offended your Five Nights at Freddy's lore sensibilities too much. But if we did, hey, uh, it's, it's just a game about a bear that bites people in half. Don't take it so seriously. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>